0: Welcome to Tandem with the Random, an open-format podcast featuring interviews with interesting people doing interesting things. However, this episode is a bit different. Hello, this is Brian Kelly, the host of Tandem with the Random, and this episode is going to be all about Doctor Who, the iconic British science fiction television program celebrating its 50th anniversary this Saturday, November 23rd. And it's also my favorite television show of all time. What you're hearing in the background is my attempt at creating a version of the famous Doctor Who theme song with GarageBand on my iPhone a couple of years ago. I used it earlier this year whenever I started talking about Doctor Who on the podcast. Coming up, we'll hear from a few Doctor Who fans, Greg Taylor of the Toronto-based Dakota Ring Theater podcast, and Sam Tomeno and Kim Neighbor of the Prideonians of Princeton Science Fiction Fan Club. They were featured on episodes of the podcast earlier this year, but this time out we'll hear a lot more about their experiences and favorites as Doctor Who fans. And then we'll hear from Louis Trapani, a longtime Doctor Who fan who in 1985 founded the Gallifreyan Embassy Doctor Who Fan Club, which later evolved into an international fan website of the same name, and in 2005 launched the Doctor Who Podshock podcast, which has just returned online after Hurricane Sandy inflicted heavy damage to Lewis's home and base of operations on Long Island in late October 2012. We'll hear from Lewis and the others in just a bit, but first, a few not-so-random thoughts, because these are all going to be about Doctor Who. First, even though I've told this story before, I feel I should once again share how I became a fan of Doctor Who. My first time watching Doctor Who was around 1982, when I was 10 or 11 years old. It was a Saturday afternoon at the Jersey Shore, and I was going through a brief phase when I was watching professional wrestling. I had on Channel 9, WOR-TV, and we didn't have a remote control back then, so when wrestling ended, I just kept watching the program that came on next. It was a strange science fiction program that turned out to be part one of the Doctor Who serial robot, and I later realized it was the first episode to usher in the glorious Tom Baker era as the fourth Doctor. The program was weird, The special effects were rather shoddy, and I was a bit confused by it all, and I loved every minute of it. I became a regular viewer and continued faithfully watching or recording episodes every Saturday night on NJN, which was New Jersey's public television network at the time. Even though the BBC axed the program in 1989, after the 26th season, there were still episodes being aired on NJN. But as the 1990s progressed, airings of Doctor Who on NJN as well as Philadelphia's WHYY, became more sporadic until it eventually disappeared altogether by the early 2000s. But before I get too far ahead of myself, I seem to recall that one of the first things I did on the internet when I first got on the information superhighway back in the mid-1990s was to seek out news about Doctor Who. Because except for a few issues of Doctor Who magazine I'd purchased along the way, There was really no way for those of us here in the United States to really keep up with news about a possible return of the program until the internet came along. Fortunately, Doctor Who did return in 1996 as a BBC Fox television movie that was supposed to be the springboard for a new series. Unfortunately, despite some flashes of promise, including Paul McGann's brilliant turn as the Eighth Doctor and a fantastic interior TARDIS design, the TV movie fell a bit short of the mark and hopes for a new series were dashed. So Doctor Who was gone again, and fans were left with on-and-off whispers of another revival and some one-off non-canonical shorts produced for special occasions. It wasn't until the BBC announced in late 2003 that Doctor Who would be returning as a series that there was any real reason to be excited. The series finally returned in 2005 with Christopher Eccleston as the ninth Doctor, and today, Doctor Who is bigger than it has ever been, especially here in the United States. Current star Matt Smith, who is brilliant as the 11th Doctor, has been featured on the cover of Entertainment Weekly and TV Guide magazine. Billboards and advertisements on the sides of buses in the United States' largest cities announced when Doctor Who will be returning to U.S. TV screens via BBC America. A widely watched live television show around the world this past August announced Peter Capaldi would be taking over as The Doctor, after Matt Smith's Eleven Doctor regenerates in this year's Christmas special. But before we get to that Christmas special, I think all Doctor Who fans around the world are really excited to see what Stephen Moffat has in store for us in the 50th anniversary episode, The Day of the Doctor, which will be simulcast to many parts of the world on Saturday, November 23rd, via television and in select movie theaters. Special screenings are also taking place in cinemas on the evening of Monday, November 25th, And of course, I have my tickets for a local screening on that night. The recently released trailers for that look absolutely incredible. And the Night of the Doctor mini-episode that serves as a prequel to the Day of the Doctor was fantastic. And seeing Paul McGann as the 8th Doctor again literally gave me chills. That was so unexpected and awesome. So thank you, Stephen Moffat, for giving us that. Anyway, getting back to the current popularity of Doctor Who... It really is astonishing to think about for longtime fans of the program. I think back to my 8th grade homeroom, when I used to talk to two other kids every Monday about the episode of Doctor Who that aired over the preceding weekend, while no one else in the class knew what the hell we were talking about. These days, major news outlets, even here in the United States, report on news surrounding the program. Doctor Who GIFs. Yes, I'm going with the GIFs pronunciation even though I'm not happy about it, are everywhere on the internet. And the popularity of Doctor Who even brought down the servers of Fathom Events and Fandango when tickets went on sale for the theatrical screenings of the 50th anniversary special. All of this tells you that Doctor Who, in its 50 years of existence, has finally transcended its own fandom and is now part of the mainstream pop culture consciousness. And it's about damn time. And space. After this brief musical break, we'll hear from Greg Taylor of the Dakota Ring Theater Podcast and Sam Tomeno and Kim Neighbor of the pridonians of Princeton as they share their memories of Doctor Who and their favorite doctors, companions, villains, and stories. And later on, we'll hear from Louis Trapani of org and the Doctor Who Podshock Podcast. Stay tuned. with the Random podcast at TandemWithTheRandom.com. First up on this special Tandem with the Random Doctor Who 50th anniversary celebration, we'll hear from a few Doctor Who fans who appeared earlier this year on the podcast. This includes Greg Taylor of the Toronto-based Decoder Ring Theatre podcast, and Sam Tomeno and Kim Neighbor of the Central New Jersey-based Prideonians of Princeton Science Fiction Club that started as a Doctor Who fan group in 1984. I asked each of them questions pertaining to their earliest memories of Doctor Who and about their favorite doctors, companions, villains, and stories. Here's what they had to say, starting with Greg Taylor recalling his introduction to Doctor Who.
1: I don't remember exactly how old I was, but maybe it was was like grade 7 or grade 8. I grew up in the Niagara area. Um, in Ontario so we got um, at that time Doctor Who was shown on PBS station from Buffalo uh, WNED and, uh, and TV Ontario which is sort of like PBS in Ontario kind of and uh, the PBS station showed it uh, every afternoon and then I, I might have been like once a week and they were in a different era on PBS, uh, not on TVO I didn't discover it then and uh, I just sort of tripped over it. And it was part one of, um, ah, it was either, it was Curse of Peladon or Monster of Peladon, whichever the second one was. Um, one of the two Peladon stories with, you know, Alpha Century, the big walking eyeball guy. Mm-hmm. And so it was a John Pertwee story um, with Liz Slayton as Sarah Jane Smith. And I had no idea what was going on. I loved it. Um, I'm like, what is it? They all seem to be taking this seriously, so I guess that I should.
0: Here's Kim Neighbor of the Pridonians of Princeton explaining how she first became aware of Doctor Who.
2: Um, long before cable, back in the 70s, uh, I lived in Lancaster and uh, Channel 17. I, I was lucky to be able to get Channel 17. Uh, afternoons could be kind of boring when you're an only child and if your playmates aren't around or it's raining, and so I'd watch old movies and things like that, but I was turning the dial, and I happened to go past Channel 17, and the theme music, the the intro for Doctor Who was happening right at that moment, and it was the... I and mean, which called the, the color thing going on mm-hmm. i don 't even remember if the TV was colored but I'm yeah. sure it was at that point, but it caught my attention because it the music was weird it wasn 't mm-hmm. like any of the other theme show right. uh, yeah. from you know the shows that I watch normally, so I just sort of hung out and then this you know this doctor person with the white hair and the, the smoking jacket and the ruffled shirt and whatever um, came on and I think it was the, um, the one with the Silurians, I believe that's the, the first one I remember seeing. I don't know how often I watched it at that point. You know, not always, as a child, you're not always inside, you're supposed to be outside playing, you're supposed computers. So that's my earliest memory of Doctor Who.
0: And here's Sam Tamano, also of the Pridonians of Princeton, discussing how he stumbled onto Doctor Who.
3: My earliest Doctor Who memory is reading about him in uh, the, uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland back probably around in the mid 60s sometimes about after it would have been after the movie came out uh, the original the movie with Peter Cushing you know because uh, uh, you know and it was it was basically an article you know just called Doctor Who and the Daleks and that's my first memory just reading about it after that nothing until the 19 mid 1970s when it showed up on Channel 17 in Philadelphia, syndicated. And I even there only saw it for a few minutes, literally. Uh, And then, you know, when they started showing the Tom Baker episodes, which I wasn't really interested in, until NJN started showing from the William Hartnell episodes. And I started from the very beginning, and that's when I really became a Doctor Who fan.
0: Next I asked, who was their favorite Doctor Who villain? I started with Kim Neighbor of the Pridonians of Princeton.
2: I love the master. Um, one of the conventions, we, my husband and I were fortunate to be able to attend the luncheon, and we actually sat at a table with Anthony Hanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, and I have a different, and he's such an entirely different person than the character. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people liked um, Roger Delgado much better. I think they both did fine. Um, favorite dog. So hard, but I, I would say that as just an overall villain, I, the Daleks are still pretty nasty in my in my book.
0: Next, Sam Tamano shared his favorite enemy of the Doctor.
3: I don't really have one specifically. I mean, you know, the Master is his is his Lex Luthor, his Moriarty. You know, in terms of the the groups of aliens, uh I. um I think I like the Cybermen best.
0: Finally, Greg Taylor shared his favorite adversary of the Doctor.
1: Um, I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Ainley as the master, because in many ways the master is the one thing that they have not been able to equal on the new series. Uh, I think the master stories that they've done so far have just been largely a total mess. Um, and several of them are almost unwatchable. Uh, the exception being Derek Jacobi as the Master, who has forgotten that he's a Master, which is brilliant, brilliant episode um, and, a, and a wonderful performance. But no, there's just something insufferably smarmy and wonderful and oh ghastly about uh, Anthony Amy's Master that I, that I really miss in the program.
0: Moving on to the Doctor's companions, I asked my guests who their favorite was. Here's Sam Tomino to start us out.
3: I, uh, I always, I, I kind of liked Harry, but that's probably because that episode <laughs> where she was in the bikini. Uh, but uh, I, I liked Ace. You know, I, 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 she, she, she's one of the ones I liked a lot. Um, you know, uh, I like Rose. You know, I like, you know, I, I'm interested to see what, you know, the new one's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I'm going to say one, I'll say ace.
0: Here's Kim neighbor with her favorite assistant to the doctor.
2: Everybody likes to pick Sarah Jane. I actually in the early days, I liked Leela a lot. Okay. Um, I just, I liked Leela a lot because she, aside from the fact that she didn't know anything about the rest of the world, so she still could ask the dumb questions. Um, but she, I didn't feel like if you left her alone, she couldn't take care of herself. If she wasn't the damsel in distress that some of the other companions early on became, you know, when something went wrong or whatever. So probably, probably still is Leela.
0: And here's Greg Taylor with his favorite associate of the Doctor.
1: Interesting. Uh, well, uh, Liz Slayton's Sarah Jane Smith was kind of this more wholesome and somehow more attainable version of uh, Emma. Emer- uh, Mrs. Peel. Uh, There's just the same kind of what the heck is that kind of thing going on? Just dynamite. Um, and a great and a great sort of uh, equal, but not at all an equal, but still, you know, could give him lip properly. And, and they were a great pair. Um, she was great in the shows that she did with Purdy, which was mostly later. Although I have to say, probably if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to go with Canine, because Canine. I had this discussion with my son, who is five, about why canine is a million times better than R2-D2, but he is. Um, You know, he can do all the things R2-D2 can do, but but talk to you also, and he has a blaster in his nose, and he looks like a dog. He's beyond awesome.
0: No, canine. I also asked, what was their favorite Doctor Who story? Here's Kim Neighbor of the Pridonians of Princeton.
2: We talk a lot about... um... Deadly Assassin, since it's a Tom Baker one, mm-hmm. uh, was one of my favorites. But I think Mostly, I think, because it took place on Gallifrey, and I think that was, like, the first time. It wasn't the first time, it was maybe the second time. We did a bit on Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, that, that at least initially was one of my very favorite ones. But the other one, and, and we kind of laugh about, about this a bit, is uh, Green Death. Uh, that and that was Pertwee and, and uh, Joe Joe Graham. And, and I and I think of it mostly for the bad, for the bad special effects with the whatever the worm like you know, so crawling around it outside. It, I mean they were so they were computer they were generated. Right, right. I mean they weren't real, I mean, right, right. But they but but I remember that was a, a really good episode. I think that was towards the end, just before she left.
0: And here's Sam Tamena with his favorite Doctor Who story.
2: I
3: think my favorite Doctor Who story is Plink, okay. you know, uh, and that is of the current series. And I, I, first of all, I thought that the uh, Weeping Angels were a great idea. Actually, I think they've been overused mm-hmm. now, so I'm tired of them. At first, they were great, but I like the whole idea that the Doctor really doesn't come into that story until the, the last minute. He's kind of like an urban legend. Right. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I love that there were these these geeks out there, you know, you know, you're talking about the appearances of this doctor and how they you know, you know, and that I just like that whole concept in blank. And that's why that's my single favorite story.
0: And of course I asked, Who is your favorite doctor? Here's Kim Neighbor with her response.
2: Up until probably the early two thousands I would have told you Tom Baker. Um, when we started with the new doctors, it was so hard to get used to another new doctor especially after so long and and after such a long love affair with Tom Baker however I'm really torn now because I really liked I I liked Chris Eggleston a lot Um, I mean I grew to grew to like him a lot and then he left and I was crushed again then we got David Tennant it took me less time to become accustomed to David Tennant than it did to any of the other doctors and so probably today it's still very much Tom Baker. David Tennant runs a very close second.
0: And Sam Tamano's favorite doctor?
2: My favorite doctor?
3: Yeah, it's kind of a. Diff- you know, if, if you pressed me, I'd probably say William Hartnell. Okay. Oh, and up the new guys, Christopher Eccleston.
0: Okay. What? What is your what?
3: What uh, makes you? Say, wait, partner, What about his? Because uh, he was so character? kind of crotchety and and nasty. I think I just like that idea as a character who's not all that likable as your lead, as, as your hero, as it were. And I, I, I think I like that.
0: Yeah, and Eccleston. And Eccleston, Eccleston. yeah.
3: I, I think that. I think that's why I liked Eccleston because he was kind of a, you know, a snide, you know, kind of a guy.
0: And here's Greg Taylor with his favorite Doctor.
1: Uh... Tom Baker is still my doctor, although um, i, I got to tell you, some days Matt Smith gets awful close. He really does. I know uh, there are people who have like this insane hate on for him, and I'm like, yeah, sit down, um, because he's brilliant. Um, there haven't been many who I didn't – well, there haven't been many who I – who I wouldn't just sit down and watch them if they were on anyway, you know. But uh, Tom Baker's uh, is still the man.
0: Greg Taylor also shared how he was introduced to Tom Baker's fourth Doctor. The first Doctor who serially ever watched was the Monster of Peladon, with John Pertwee as the third Doctor. The next was Planet of the Spiders, which marked the end of the Pertwee era. However, Greg was unaware of the concept of regeneration, and his initial reaction to Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor wasn't all that positive.
1: They went on to the next story, which was Planet of the Spiders. I may, gee, I may be getting the title wrong. I hope not. That's uh, Planet of the Spiders, I think, which was the last poetry story. So I was thinking, I had no idea. Of course, the Internet did not exist then, kids. So I had, and it was Ontario and years after that. I had no idea what regeneration was. I don't think the word Time Lord had been mentioned maybe more than once in the episodes I'd seen. So I'm like, wow, I really, what, he's been exposed to a massive dose of radiation by this giant spider. I really wonder how, you know, he's going to survive. And then he didn't. He, he got, came back and said, you know, got lost in the time stream. TARDIS brought me home and died. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Um, and I, 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 I What? I thought this series had been on forever. How did he just.? And then he changed. And the Brigadier said, uh, Oh, here we go again. I'm like, Whoa, What? Uh, and, and I was kind of baffled. But I guess I figured out, you know, somewhere along the way, okay, well, it's a science fiction show, so I guess that's what they do when an actor wants to leave. You know, I was reasonably savvy about that. And uh, they sort of robot was the next episode. And I hated it. I hated it because uh, every time the Doctor regenerates, his his personality is scrambled for a while. And uh, in the first episode and a half of Robot, Tom Baker's Doctor was uh, kind of an idiot. Like he was just emerging from his thing. He stuck his head around the corner and he looked at the TARDIS with these great big, big, big bulging eyes and he smiled this kind of toothy idiot's grin. I'm like, oh, I hate the new guy. Um, that didn't last. Uh, <laughs> I was pretty sold on him by the end of the first four part story and in, in the next one was Ark in Space and he has this monologue in a chamber filled with cryosleep pods for the survivors of the human race. Uh Homo sapiens. What a remarkable inventive species. And it goes on. It's probably only twenty seconds, but in television terms that's a vast Shakespearean monologue. And it was beautiful, it was brilliant, and I was completely sold and totally you know wherever he wanted to go from there I was I was I was with him and then that's my doctor
0: finally Sam of the pridonians of Princeton shared his thoughts on what he would like to see in the 50th anniversary special keep in mind this interview was recorded in early March 2013 before much was known about what was to become the day of the doctor here's Sam Well,
3: uh, like I said I like to see some I mean I don't necessarily really think we do need like a bunch of doctors you know but may, but I think maybe just some like I said you know you know some weird little thing where you know there's this old guy sitting there and the tardis appears and you know how comes Massimo and, and says hello Chesterton nice to see you and, and and it's William Russell and he just kind of gives a funny look you know maybe a couple little things like that with some of the old fans and I want to know what happened to Susan
0: I would like to thank Greg Taylor of decodering theater and Sam Tomeno and Kim Neighbor of the Prideonians of Princeton for sharing their Doctor Who favorites and memories. Next up on this special Doctor Who edition of Tandem with the Random, we'll hear a conversation with Louis Trapani of the Gallifreyan Embassy website and the producer and co-host of the Doctor Who Podshock podcast. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Tandem with the Random podcast at tandemwiththerandom.com. Joining me on Tandem with the Random is Louis Trapani, who founded the Long Island-based Gallifrey Embassy Doctor Who fan group in 1985, before it evolved into a very popular website of the same name. In 2005, the Gallifrey Embassy website became home to the Doctor Who Podshock podcast, which Louis produces while also serving as co-host. Louis, thank you for your time to do this interview. How are you?
4: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a delight and pleasure to be here. Um, it's an honor.
0: Pleasure is all mine. Um, first of all, how did you become a fan of Doctor Who?
4: Well, it's it's interesting actually. I was um, I, I was rather young in the I guess it was in the late seventies, and I had a paper out. and I was delivering papers Saturday mornings. And the local there was a local cha- channel here in the New York area, um, WOR Channel Nine. Um, for those that don't know, uh, Long Island is in the New York area. Anyway, so they were showing it on Saturday mornings, like two episodes back to back. I forget, I forget exactly what time. But because I had this like paper out at the time, I wasn't always home for it. So I would, I would catch it then. But it was only like, and it was hard to follow because you would watch, you would watch maybe an episode or two episodes here and there. And and at that time, for those new fans that may not know, the earlier shows were all serials. So they. They had um, Each story was was uh, shown in episodic form, so there's part one, part two, part three, part four. Sometimes they were six-part stories. So anyway, it was difficult to follow. So I w- even though I enjoyed it and I watched it at that time in the late 70s, um, I didn't become a real fan until a few a few years later in the early 80s when PBS picked it up. Um, my local uh, PBS here on Long Island was WLAW, well, it still is, Channel 21, And they started showing it um, weekdays, I believe it was at 7 p.m. or 7.30, somewhere around there, one episode a night. So that gave me an opportunity to, you know, watch it and actually follow the stories. And that's when I really got hooked. So it was really, like, in the, um, you know, in the early 80s, just around, like, the 20th anniversary was was rolling around for Doctor Who. And, um, you know, and that's when I really became a, um, you know, like a true fan.
0: Excellent. So what inspired you to start? the Gallifreyan Embassy fan club in 1985.
4: Well, what was as I was saying, um, like between maybe 83 and 85, fandom here, uh, when I say here, I mean in the, in the U.S., was really growing. Um, it's Obviously, it's, um, it's, it celebrated its 20th anniversary at that time, so it already had a fan base in the U.K. It's, in fact, it was an institution in the U.K. at that point, uh, being around for 20 years, starting in, in 1963. But here in the U.S., we've only had you know when it comes to science fiction of course we had star trek and we had um you know uh, well on television there was buck Rogers before that and whatever i mean we didn't have, we only had a limited amount because this was before uh, the next generation came back this was, so we kind of kind of exhausted ourselves with whatever was available here in the us when it comes to science fiction so many fans were just like discovering pbs was showing doctor who so many fa- many um sci-fi fans were discovering it Um, And this was like all new material. Not only is it was it new material just coming in now, um, you know, from the UK, but it had a whole 20 year history. So it was, you know, we didn't know all the lines like we did with every Star Trek episode. So (laughs) it was all fresh material. So what I'm getting at is that the um, fandom was really building up. And and at that time the Internet wasn't really accessible to a lot of people as it is today. So there was no way to kind of connect with other fans. And so a lot of people were were, um, sort of in little bubbles enjoying these, uh, you know, Doctor Who episodes, and none of their friends were watching it. So they had no way to kind of express their passion and um, talk with other fans and um, kind of enjoy it with with other people. So what happened at that time, um, local fan organizations started forming. So there was um in the early eighty well, in nineteen eighty four there was the the Pyberians of Princetons and um in New Jersey. Uh there were other uh organizations that were sprouting out here and there. But there was no I'm here in New York on Long Island, there was nothing here. So the uh, need, you know, was there, and I decided, you know, it, you know, we really needed something here. So, what we did, um, you know, I, I formed the Gallifrey Embassy of Long Island, as it was called at that time. we we, we since grown to, to the point we've just called the Gallifrey Embassy, but um, so we were the Gallifrey Embassy of Long Island, and what we did was uh, Long Island has two counties next on Suffolk, and we started uh, holding meetings. So we would alternate between one one county and then the next county the next month, and go back and forth so that it gave opportunity because not everyone had. I mean, the the trouble with Long Island geographically is that it's very long, so it's hard, especially for younger people it's hard to get to uh, one end to the other. So uh, we tried to accommodate you know that by having the two county meetings and uh, along with that we did pledge drives and uh, we um, did joint meetings with other. We, other, you know, Doctor Who organizations like the Predators of Princeton, and um, we even did like um, we did cricket things, cricket competitions, and um, <laughs> anything sort of like re- related to the show, and, and it's, in whatever kind of fashion we could, you know, muster up, you know, we we did, and it was very enjoyable. You know, um, people would do cosplay. We weren't they weren't called cosplay at the time, but. You know, people would dress up in costumes, not just at conventions, but sometimes they would do it at meetings and whatever, because it gave them an outlet to do it, you know, an excuse to wear desk off and hat, floppy hat and whatever.
0: <laughs> right, right. So it seems only natural uh, as the World Wide Web emerged and became more accessible that Gallifreyan Embassy would. You know, move on yeah. to being an online destination. You know,
4: because at the time back in the '80s, we we printed a newsletter and we would get together every month and print this newsletter together. Um, a, a group, a core group of people would actually do the the stuffing in the envelopes and mailing them out and all that. And um, I mean, it was it was a, a work of, of love and all that, but it was still a lot of work to do. So now, um, you know, in the mid like, you know, 2005, in the mid-2000s, whatever you want to call that decade, um, we started, you know, it became apparent that um, the, the, the Gallifrey Embassy had, like, the static web page. So I said, well, you know, the series is coming back. Let's do something interactive. And that's when the, the website sort of changed from sort of, like, just an informational uh, couple pages about the club and all that, because the club still existed, still was holding meetings and all that. But... Um, now was a time to kind of connect connect with fans all over and uh, make it a little bit more accessible and we didn 't have to do the print newsletter anymore. we could just put everything on the website and um, and that naturally led to uh, the podcast because at that time uh, podcasting was in its infancy but it was coming it was it was growing rapidly and there were um, th- there was like one other Doctor who um, podcast out there. Who cast? I think it might have been called. I'm not sure. Um, uh, Tom, Tom's and I can't recall his last name right now was doing it. He no longer does it. But um, it was the lone voice out there. I said um, and actually before that, we I had planned on doing the podcast, but I had gotten a case of bronchitis and I couldn't really do it. So we had put it off. And and by the time I was ready to do it, um, the first series of the 2005 series with Christopher Eccleston had come to a close, and so we started doing the review episodes of the past. You know, of the new series starting then. So it was sort of, it, I believe it was July, um, the late July that we started. We recorded that first episode of 2005.
0: Okay, and how did it all come together with the triple host format? Uh...
4: Oh well, um, at the time, um, it was myself, Kent Deep, and James Norton were. The original three hosts, and um, James was doing the podcast himself, and he was doing sort of like um sort of like an audio blog you know it wasn 't about any particular thing it was just like whatever thoughts he had you know that he, he wanted to talk about and discuss that 's what he what he did occasionally he talked about Doctor Who, but it wasn 't a Doctor Who podcast so uh, um i was I had heard his show and uh, he had some, he, he made some sort of reference that, you know, if, um, if more people like me to talk more about Doc 2, let me know and we could do, you know, you know, he would do something more, you know, on that topic. So I don't think anyone did, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I contacted him. I said, well, you know, I'm putting together this podcast. You know, uh, it sounds like we would have a good rapport because, I mean, that's really a key ingredient when doing a podcast with other people. There has to be some sort of chemistry there. So uh, I felt that it was there. I felt, you know, the, uh, he was a kindred spirit. And so I got uh, I got him as well as um, my friend Ken, who I've known for, you know, he was involved with the for Embassy. I've known him for many years, and he was doing, a, he was, um, he had worked doing some radio shows. So, you know, even though he wasn't doing podcasting, he had uh, experience doing radio. So. Um, so naturally, I contacted Ken first, and then then I, got, um, I contacted James, and we got together and did our first show. And it was really—I mean, if you go back and listen to the first episode, uh, <laughs> it was a learning experience for us. So um, we were getting um, feedback of ourselves in our in our headsets, like that. Were that was delayed a few seconds, so it was really off-putting. We were just distracted by what we were hearing ourselves in our you know headphones, and you know. So we've learned since then, and we, we've gotten better.
0: Now moving on to a, a more serious note. Uh as a Long Islander, you were personally severely affected by Hurricane Sandy in late October 2012. Um uh, without having you dwell too much on that, how has your recovery progressed to this point?
4: Well, it's it, the, the recovery still continues on, but I'm at to the point now where a, a few months ago I was able to move back in. I had to rebuild everything from the ceiling to uh well from the floor to ceiling, including the the, the floor and ceiling, uh everything. I mean, unfortunately, uh, we didn't have any power for a couple weeks, so uh, I got flooded and I had a pump and like a water pump, but it was it, it worked through electric and I had no power to pump it. And none of the neighbors had generators. And at the time, even even if you did have a generator, you may not have gasoline for it because there was there was gasoline outages and lines around ga- with a few gas stations that were open. So uh, anyway, what had what wasn't destroyed by the floodwaters now mold was. Growing on everything, so that was destroying stuff. So um, there was mass destruction. So um, anyway, long story short was that I had to clear everything, all the stuff that was destroyed out, and then whatever that did survive went into like a storage pod, and then everything had to everything had to be uh, demolished and then rebuilt. And, um, and, and it took longer than I had anticipated. So I know during that process, many um, of our listeners would, you know, contact me and ask, well, when is the show coming back? And at the time, originally, I was saying, oh, well, maybe, you know, in a month and all that. But I could never meet those promises because, you know, even though at the time I thought that was a realistic, um, you know, destination you know, a month or so, you know, that we would reach, but I never got to that, you know. During this process, I as you're making – Um, Progress during this recovery, it was sort of you know you had to take one step back for every two steps forward because you would discover another problem and and this issue had to be resolved before that could be addressed and it just seemed like there were a lot of little setbacks that were impeding the the haste of the progress. So, um, but as I said, right now that process still continues. But I'm at the point now where. Um, I can um you know get the show back up and going and and if you 're hearing a little echo in my voice right now it 's not an audio effect it 's just because i still don 't have all the furniture here um so it 's a little empty, but it 's enough where I got the essentials going, and half my stuff is still boxed away until I could get more um you know furniture and shelves or whatever to put stuff on you
0: now with everything else you know that you were dealing with it... Is the return of the podcast, which is something you're you're passionate about is is that some kind of uh kind of emotional milestone or or it's
4: it's a sense it gives a sense of normalcy and, and getting back into a routine i mean for for essentially a year, everything I was doing was relating to the storm in in one respect or another it was you know and you just you know after a point you just thats you just get so, even though you know you're working for yourself and you're trying to get yourself back on your feet, but after a point you just like you get just get so tired of it you just want to you know watch Doctor Who or just you know get get back to what you were doing before all this before the storm hit, and sort of the the podcast um allowed me t- um to do that in in a sense so um and you know it's just good to be back you know especially now with the fiftieth anniversary of Doctor Who upon us you know this is um uh it's it's pretty funny well humorous that I had recorded an episode we had recorded an episode right before the storm, literally just days before the storm hit, and that never went out. Um, to our feeds because um, they needed to go on post production and then the storm hit and it just never happened. So the first episode out uh, since we came back included what we recorded a year ago. So it was interesting hearing me saying what I said then about what two th- what uh, 2013 might bring and some of the stuff I was joking about. I had joked about Matt Smith leaving and all that, which you know uh, again this was just me just being um, speculating. But it, um, it's interesting, you know, that it did turn out to be such an interesting year, and so many events did occur. So um, uh, we just – a couple shows ago, we just did a um, – we, we did a recap of the past year highlighting all the important news events of, of the past year that we sort of are on hiatus.
0: Right. Well, if in that recording you predicted that Paul McGann would make a reappearance in a wow. <laughs> Doctor Who uh, mini episode, then you should probably go out and buy some uh, lottery tickets.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what? today's been a real high uh, it, it, for for those. I don't know when this episode's going to go out, but it's um, today. They they released the mini episode of Doctor Who, which is called the night the night of the Doctor, which is a prequel to the day of the Doctor, the fiftieth anniversary. So, uh, but we. And, and I'm I'm, I'm going to have to assume that maybe you will listen to Cena already. I don't want to
0: give too this, much. This will go up on uh, November 18th on Monday. So I, I'm, okay. I'm I'm going to assume that anybody who's listening to this will have finally uh, stumbled upon the fact that <laughs> Paul McGann did return as the Eighth Doctor in the night of the doctor. Yeah.
4: So that was a, a welcome. The first surprise was that the mini episode went out because originally we, uh, it was to our
0: understanding that was coming out this weekend. And, and it was only so- going to be on, they'd only mentioned red button. They hadn't mentioned, yeah. you know, but it was on YouTube already. It had already been prepared <laughs> for, for this su- surprise launch.
4: Well, it also is uh McGann's birthday today. So right. I don't know if, it, if that is just a coincidence or uh, maybe that maybe had something to do with it. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I was, I was uh, just, just had woken up and and I was looking on Twitter and I see uh, an official you know Doctor Who tweet saying you know oh the fiftieth starts today uh, look for the night of the Doctor within the hour I'm like whoa <laughs> and then and then when you know, you watched it and as soon as he says I'm a Doctor and I'm like you have to be kidding me <laughs> I mean that I mean yes. that that hasn't happened in a long time in Doctor Who where something shocked me and And that did that was yeah that, it's, that was it's
4: it's not what we, you know, and he said not the doctor that you're expecting right. and it was a perme, really yeah
0: and, and you know I didn't even pick up on it either, but in the when he takes the elixir
4: yeah i didn't I didn't catch the first time I didn't catch it either the yeah, said what,
0: will it hurt will it hurt yeah <laughs> that was I, I I saw that in a comment, I'm like, oh man, how did I miss that one, <laughs> so
4: yeah, no, it's a, it's a special treat. I, you know, and also the uh, in addition, sort of, oh, the, I mean, this mini episode rightly kind of overshadowed it, but not to overlook it. There was also a promo for the special coming up called "An Adventures in Space and Time," which documents how Doctor Who first came about. Uh, you know, with William Hartnell, um, I, um, you know, who originally played the first Doctor. So that that is coming a couple of days before the anniversary. So that's available as well. You you can catch that on YouTube. Um, right. It's it's a it's a nice little promo trail. It's you know, commercial promo for it.
0: And, and the reviews for that have been amazing. I yeah, mean, I, there yeah. was a standing ovation after it uh, screened exactly. for the media. Yeah, the, 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 the BFI, night.
4: the yeah. British Film Institute. Um, uh, Boris Hussein, the original director of the Unearthly Child, the first Doctor Who pilot, saw it and he his eyes welled up and he was really touched by it.
0: Yeah, I've I've read a number of people who you know who were who are very choked up watching that that movie and there, and there's a surprise ending that was spoiled a bit uh I, I saw somebody reported it although they had asked people to not mention it but and we're no, not going we to mention it. It, no then. we're not going to mention it here but <laughs> there is a, a little bit of a surprise ending so uh in that uh docudrama and i think that's going to be on the friday night before uh, I uh believe so on the 22nd the... on bbc america
4: I, yeah, definitely.
0: I think if I'm not mistaken, um, is it, is it the 22nd or the 21st? I, I, um, I think it's on the 22nd, but there'll there'll be a link in the uh, in the show notes to all, all right. the schedule. So uh, if anybody has questions, the BBC America schedule will there'll be a link in the show notes. So um, just to wrap up here, um, finally, uh, as someone who's had a finger on the pulse of Doctor Who fandom for so many years, uh, what are your thoughts on the evolution of Doctor Who fans and the programs? Ever increasing status as a pop culture icon at this point.
4: Well, I have to say it's it's really fascinating seeing how, if, for lack of a better word, mainstream it's become here in the U.S. You know, you know when the Gallifrey started, like I said, fandom was reaching its 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 peak here in the U.S. But that was among like science fiction fans. It was still it wasn't mainstream. Most people in the mainstream still you said Doctor Who, they'll say Doctor What, you know, and <laughs> they had no clue. So now it's it's kind of, I, it's it's shocking almost going into the local CBS and seeing Doctor Who merchandise being sold. You know, that you would have to go to a comic book dealer or go, go online or go, go to, like, um, a science fiction specialty shop to find anything Doctor Who merchandise here in the U.S. So, but now it's uh, the BBC's advertising on, at least in Manhattan, on buses and bus stop signs and it, it just you can walk the streets and see Doctor Who and, you know, it's just... It's it's weird, you know, <laughs> because for so for for twenty some odd years, um, that hasn't hadn't been the case, and it was really a, a niche. And, and you know what's also also what's very weird is that friends back, you know, that I've known for maybe fifteen years or whatever, I was like this little nerdy guy, geek guy, geeky guy that was into Doctor Who, and they didn't know anything about it and they weren't following it. Now they're all following it. They're all watching. So it's it's an interesting transformation.
0: Right, and as you're talking about that, I'm, I notice uh, off to my right here in my little studio is uh, the TV Guide magazine cover with Matt Smith, uh, the, t- yeah. the fan favorites wow. cover contest. So, I mean, and Entertainment Weekly, you know, he was on that too. It, it's incredible to see. You know,
4: yeah, how I mean, amazing. even in the height of Tom Baker, the fourth talker, who's, oh, you know, until the series came back, he was always the most popular, the fan favorite, especially in the U.S., he wouldn't, He, you know, he never made it to the cover of TV Guide.
0: <laughs> right, right. Although he did make it to Family Guy at one point. Oh, of course, yeah. that was many years later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, uh, I won't keep you too much longer. Uh, my guest, once again, has been Louis Trapani of GallifreyanEmbassy.org and the Doctor Who Podshock podcast. And you can learn more about both by clicking on the links in the show notes. Louis, thank you again for your time. And thank you for having me. It's been a delight. Thank you. And. Uh, for being a part of Tandem with a random celebration of Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. And here's to your continued success with Gallifreyan Embassy, Podshock, and of course your recovery from uh, Hurricane Sandy. Thank you. Once again, I would like to thank Louis Trapani of GallifreyanEmbassy.org and the Doctor Who Podshock podcast, Greg Taylor of Dakota Ring Theater, and Sam Tomeno and Kim Neighbor of the Pridonians of Princeton for being part of this special Tandem with the Random podcast celebrating 50 years of Doctor Who. Look for links in the show notes for more information about the guests featured in this episode. And thanks to everyone involved with the production of Doctor Who over the last 50 years, and especially my fellow fans for making this milestone possible. Be sure to watch the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special, The Day of the Doctor, This Saturday, November 23rd at 2.50 p.m. Eastern Time on BBC America. Check your local listings for channel number. Also, check out the links in the show notes to a listing of all the Doctor Who related programming BBC America plans to air this week and for information about the special theatrical screenings of The Day of the Doctor. Tandem with the Random will return in early 2014. To stay up to date with the podcast, please keep an eye on tandemwiththerandom.com follow us on twitter at twtr podcast like tandem with the random on facebook or add tandem with the random to your google plus circles for the latest information and show updates until next time this is brian kelly take care and a happy 50th to the doctor and views expressed by the host of Tandem with the Random are not necessarily shared by guests of the program. Conversely, the thoughts and views expressed by guests of the podcast are not necessarily shared by the host. For more information and show notes for the podcast you have just heard, please visit Tandem with the Random on the web at tandemwiththerandom.com.